Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we are speaking with Jack McGinnis. Jack has 25 years of experience working with leadership teams at organizations big and small across multiple industries. After serving as an airborne ranger with the U.S. Army's prestigious 10th Mountain Division, he helped build a successful boutique management consulting firm where he served as COO for 13 years. Jack also served as CEO of a contract packing company where he developed a passion for unleashing the leadership capacity of teams throughout an organization. In 2009, Jack joined forces with a West Point classmate to form Relationship Impact, a consulting firm focused on working with CEOs to unlock the potential of their leadership teams. He also serves as a senior professional instructor at the Johns Hopkins Carey School of Business, where he teaches courses on strategic management and human capital. He is a contributing writer to Chief Executive Magazine. Jack holds an MBA from the Hagen School of Business at Iona College and a BS in Engineering Management from the United States Military Academy at West Point. Welcome, Jack McGinnis. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, Lily. Well, Jack, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Now, are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am. Can't wait. So, Jack, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. I will start out by saying that sort of very goal-oriented at a very young age. I had two older brothers and older sister, and they all played basketball. And by the time I was like in seventh or eighth grade, my whole mission in life was to figure out how to play basketball in college. And I wanted to go to a really good school to do it. So I guess from time I hit the ground in eighth grade, I had that goal in mind, knew I wanted to go to a good school, knew my parents wouldn't let me go anything but a good school. So I sort of was very goal-oriented. And because of that goal, tapped into some organizing skills around getting other kids to play basketball almost every day. I had an individual workout camp that I did early in high school and even before that, where I organized kids and we worked out every day and basketball skills, strength and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And long story short, those skills kind of paid off. I got an appointment to West Point going into my senior year in high school. And even though I was 5'9 and probably not the best player in the world, I got myself in a position where I got recruited to play basketball there. So it demonstrated to me that you have a goal and you organize around that goal, a lot of good things can happen. Yeah, if you're persistent as well. Yeah, and I was persistent. I had a lot of support from parents, family, and so that really helped. And so I think that was foundational for me in seeing that, you know, having a goal could work. And, you know, fast forward to a short career in the military and a long career as a management consultant, helping to start a firm when I was about 26 years old with a partner from Deloitte. He was starting a firm. I was his first employee. 
So I had the benefit of learning how to be a consultant and learning how to grow a business very early in my career. And um, fast forward to now, and what I'm doing is helping small to mid-size companies and primarily with their executives teams to help them work collectively to be the greatest leadership team they can be to grow their companies. That's a tall order. Yeah, it is a tall order. And there's a lot of challenge in that. It's easy to talk about being a team. It's a harder concept in practice. So first of all, I want to thank you for your service. Oh, um, thank you. I like that you brought that up about having goals. And I know that as a coach for leadership, that's extremely important because if you don't have any goals, you're always going to hit nothing, right? You're... Now, Jack, how would you describe your leadership style? Evolving. So I'm a much different leader now than I was when I was in high school, the scenario I would describe. And even as a platoon leader, I would say that I'm much more empathetic, compassionate. I'm very goal-oriented still and very results-oriented. But I have a partner right now, right? So it's just the two of us. We don't have a lot of staff. So I view my leadership as a influencing leadership style and helping others get the results they're looking to get. Now, you mentioned that you have a partner and you have an organization. Can you tell us a bit about that? The name of our company is called Relationship Impact. And we started in 2009. I started this company with a classmate of mine from college. We met when we were about 17 years old and have been very, very close friends from that point. And in about 2009, we were both going through many midlife evolutions. And uh, we put our heads together and said, you know, what do you really want to do for the balance of your career? And it morphed into the work that we do now is working with the executive teams of growing companies to help them get themselves in shape, both structurally and relationally, so that they can be the best teams they need to be for their organizations to be as effective as they can be. So you're a leadership organization or a leadership development organization, correct? We're an executive team development organization. Why name it Relationship Impact? Because from our experience, relationships are either the key or the blocker to teams working as effective as they can. I absolutely agree. And I'm reading your description, and mm -hmm. it's a consulting firm focused on working with CEOs to unlock the potential of their leadership teams. And that's so spot on. That's right. Yeah, but it's not just with the CEOs, it's with their executive teams. Yeah, you have to operate with your team. Exactly. That's really important. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, if our listeners wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I would be relationship-impact.com. Perfect. Thank you. Now, Thank Jack, you. which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? So there are a whole bunch of them, right? But my brother played basketball at West Point as well. And he played for a guy who went on to be probably the best coach maybe ever is a guy named Mike Krzyzewski. And one of his quotes I use quite a bit in the work that we do is, he says, to me, teamwork is the beauty of our sport. Where you have five acting as one, you become selfless. Mm. And so for us, it gets to both the structural side of things in terms of organizing a team and training a team and doing the blocking and tackling stuff. But then the selfless part of it is sort of the relational dynamics part of it for me. So that's a quote that I often turn to. A great quote. Now, what's the first thing 
you may do if someone were to hire you as a consultant in an organization? So the first thing we do is work with the CEO mm-hmm. to help prepare them to receive feedback in a constructive way from the individuals on their team and the team as a whole. Because what we've seen mm-hmm. is CEOs go into engagements like this where they recognize there's some dysfunction on the team that's getting in the way of them getting the results they need, but they sometimes don't recognize that they're part of that challenge or part of the problem. And so what we're getting at is helping them get feedback, input, from those who they work with on what they're doing well to help the team and what they're doing that's getting in the way potentially of the team being as effective as it can be. And if they don't take feedback well, you really can't make much progress. That certainly is the case. But people can shift. It's just a matter of having that desire to do that. I agree. Um, All right. So, Jack, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I'm inspired by someone who is a empathetic leader who has humility. So that's one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, they're passionate about getting the results they need to get for their organization. So I see that as two sides of the same coin. There's no question that organizations and teams and CEOs need to be in the business of getting tangible business results. Mm -hmm. But the way they do that over time, we believe is really important and doing that in a way that inspires confidence, inspires trust, inspires feeling of support is very important. I absolutely agree. You've mentioned empathy, humility, compassion, that that's the type of leader you are and the type of leader that inspires you. Was there a time where you weren't that and you shifted? Yeah, no question about it. I wound up becoming the chief operating officer of a boutique management consulting firm. I think at our peak, we had about 50 people. I was their first employee, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And I became the chief operating officer. And so my responsibilities were making sure our projects were run effectively and efficiently. We provided great service and we did it in an efficient way so that we made money doing it. We had some consistency in how we deliver our projects, all those kind of things that chief operating officers are in the business of doing. And I was pretty good at it, but sometimes I overdid my strengths of organizing and being results focused and being project oriented and profitability oriented. And sometimes I didn't listen as much as I should have. And sometimes I barreled through people and left Mm -hmm. a trail of dust behind me. You know, when I look back at that experience, you know, I did some good things, but I also was not as effective as I could have been if I had been tapped into some more empathetic skills. So you created results, but you didn't build the capacity of your leaders or the people you led. Not as much as I could have, yeah. We did get good results, and it wasn't just because of me, but we probably could have done a better job of inspiring more confidence and capability in the folks that worked for me and with me. I have to honor you because the fact that you shifted is a big deal. A lot of people won't see this. And a lot of people stay stuck in their space of just managing and, you know, getting results. But what caused you to shift? It's typically something that happens, a pivotal moment. Yeah, bankruptcy. Okay. So after I left that consulting firm and bought a business with two partners in 2005, contract packaging company, where we 
packaged products for Hershey, Godiva. We did a lot of club store displays and stuff for Walmart and Costco. We were very aggressive. You know, we did a good job turning the company around as a family-run business. And then we uh, got hit by the financial crisis pretty severely. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't in, you know, just a day where we got destroyed. It was over a period of a year or so. And so I had a great CFO. And he really helped me tap into the right way of doing things when you're failing. (laughs) So that's important. Not cutting corners, treating people with respect. Not that I necessarily wouldn't have. Right. Just little things like they were big things back then. But every Friday, we would have a call with our creditors to tell them where we were. And mm-hmm. we would sit and get yelled at, and rightfully so. Just little things like that, and keeping my management team apprised of where we were and what we were doing, and recognizing that we had the lives of a lot of people at our fingertips. And we did job fairs and outreach to get some of our managers' jobs at other places. And you know, we weren't successful in all cases, but we did try. We worked very hard. So I think even in failure, we did it the right way. Now our creditors would argue that we didn't. But, you know, and which I totally understand. But, you know, we tried to do the best we could in an awful situation. Yeah. And how you respond in failure and challenges like that says a lot about your leadership. And it certainly teaches us a lot about who we are. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Now, Jack, what's the best advice you've ever received? I've gotten a lot of it. I guess it's from my dad. And I use it quite a bit. And I parent like this. And I hope I lead like this. He often would say, unsolicited advice ain't worth nothing. That has stuck with me. And it's hard, particularly as a parent, it's hard not to give advice when you see a pattern that from your experience, you recognize it's not going to work out. But, um, you know, I think letting your kids fail too and letting them surprise you and not fail, you know, even Mm -hmm. though you thought maybe what they were going to do wasn't the right path. So I try to do that with my clients as well. Even when they ask for advice, I will say, this is what I'm observing. This is what I see. But I could be wrong. I love that as an educator. I guess it was a training too. And it's part character where you just want to fix things. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So this is really good advice. And I've learned to say, would you like my input? That's a good phrase. I need that one. Sometimes I give it and I say, wait, I shouldn't have said that. I could be wrong. That's just what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing. Right. And I love that one too. I could be wrong. So learning to ask, I have to be really conscious of doing that. It causes me to also listen a lot more. Yeah, that's right. So great advice. So Jack, what does it mean to you to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? So those are two big questions, right? They're two separate questions. One is from our perspective, what does a great team look like? And then how do you get there? Mm-hmm. So I'll start with the first one. You know, we view the characteristics of a great team as four things. One is they get the results they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. That they're in business or organized to get. Number two, their success is a force multiplier type of success, that the individual contributions of any one team member aren't as great as the collective power of the team. That's a hard thing to define. It's a hard thing to measure, but you kind of know it when you get there for sure. And then the third thing is that their ability to deal with more complex and sophisticated challenges over time increases. So they get things thrown at them as any organization does And their ability to deal with them over time increases. They become more reliant on each other. They become more in tune with each other. 
And there's a lot underlying that, of course, but great teams are able to deal with more complex challenges over time. And then finally, we think that great teams are resilient as well mm. and that they're able to get back in sync after inevitable periods of time when they're not in sync. Things get thrown at you, people get mad at each other, whatever those situations are, but they don't let those things define them. They get back on the horse and focused on their mission, goal of why they're in business to begin with. And so that's what a great team looks like. Building a great team or repairing a great team, it's not simple. It's hard work and it requires a commitment to a few things. It requires a commitment to individual self-awareness and collective self-awareness. It requires a commitment to defining what a team thinks how they should be operating and what they think a great team looks like and, and what they want to do to get there and a commitment to understanding what's getting in the way of them being as effective as they could be. And finally, it requires a commitment to persevere and to learn and to fail and get back on the horse when you fall down. And as you can imagine, those three things are not easy. Yeah, you know, a lot of people might talk about it being a soft science or it's the least soft thing I think I've ever done. Is I agree. With, yeah, so that's a you know, 50,000 foot view of what we think it takes. And underlying all that is it takes a leader that's willing to model how to behave as a great leader. All of this requires what you speak into, relationships, good relationships, mm-hmm. where the anchor has to be trust. Yeah, no question about it, yeah. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Let's talk about the leadership game. Here are some of the things that you and your team will experience while playing. Team building, using a fun and engaging tool. The leadership game is a board game that allows everyone to gather around the table. Open sharing and communication. Every question and discussion card is designed to trigger open, honest feedback. Leadership skills assessment. The game challenges your team members to embrace who they are as leaders. And stronger relationships. By the end of the game, team members will learn to appreciate one another and forge stronger relationships. A winning edge for any organization. So go to masterleadership.org forward slash TLG and find out how to bring the leadership game to your organization. Now, how do you develop trust? I just did a webinar last week on great leadership teams can't thrive without trust. You know, again, it's hard, right? Trust is really uh, hard to rebuild and it requires patience when individuals or groups encounter difficulty. It requires an ability for those individuals to not jump to lack of trust, but to jump to maybe disappointment first, right? I think a lot of people jump to, well, I just can't trust them because, you know, they don't follow through in their commitments, whatever it might be. And rather than just be maybe disappointed and 
maybe being curious and explore a little bit with the other party, we jump to lack of trust. And I think assumptions get in the way, right? People right. make assumptions about each other's behaviors versus without an understanding of what their intentions and their motivations are. And people lack patience with each other. People lack the ability to forgive each other. And all those things conspire to chipping away at trust. And it's hard to rebuild. So again, I think that to rebuild trust, the first thing that's needed is a strong dose of leadership. And that doesn't need to necessarily come from the formal leader of the team, but it does require someone to step forward and say, hey, look, we have some trust issues on this team and we got to attack them. It's certainly not an easy thing to do, but it is doable and it is necessary. So it, it requires work. Now, you mentioned a webinar is that still available? The webinar results are up on my website, again, relationship-impact.com. So we have a page that has a transcript of the webinar. It okay. has a video and audio recording of the webinar. It has some highlights. Perfect. Yeah. So and has the slides deck chock full of information. Okay. And people can have access to that? Absolutely. Yeah, people can have free access to the webinar. Again, at relationship-impact.com. It's under resources, webinar series. That's great. Now, Jack, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? This may sound corny, but my kids are in really good shape right now. My wife and I feel like we've done a pretty good job with them. You know, have we done everything right? No. But we have three kids that care about each other, that care about us, that are doing well, Socially, academically, professionally, and they're good citizens, and we feel really good about that. So, well, let me tell you, as a parent and as a teacher, that's not corny at all. Yeah, they're not perfect at all, neither are we, but they're doing well, and we're proud of them. Well, that's pretty important. So, I appreciate you saying that because we're speaking and we're training and we're teaching and we're empowering our future. Thanks. Yeah. All right. So, Jack, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What mm -hmm. does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? Well, first of all, I don't think you can really be a great leader without being a learner. So what am I learning now? My partner and I talk about this quite a bit, is that we can only have so much impact. And that's kind of hard to say as a consultant that's trying to run a business, but you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them swim kind of scenario. But and you can make them thirsty. You can. And so, you know, my, we debate quite a bit. Can you really discern upfront whether a leader, a CEO is really committed to evolving and building a great team or is he or she really in the position of asking you to fix their team with them on the outside. My position is that we can do better discerning that up front, the two of us in the engagements we work on. And his argument is that people may believe that they want to do something and then they don't really understand the work that's involved, even if you tell them. And so you have to be patient with yourself about the ability of someone to recognize that they want to and can change. All right. So thank you so much for sharing that, Jack. Now, if there were something you could change in education, what would that be? And that's a great question. I don't know how I would do this, but it's something that I think about quite a bit, particularly on Sunday when I'm reading the paper. Change the discourse, particularly in high school, 
so that there's more of an open debate rather than a right and wrong. You know, politics today has polarized the classroom. And I feel like no matter what side of an issue you're on, the ability to learn from each other is almost getting lost. I don't know if that's true necessarily, but it feels like it to me. The ability of educators to create an environment where people are listening to each other Mm -hmm. rather than digging in. You're right. That responsibility falls on the community as well. I agree. Um, On all of us. Yeah, I'd love to change it, but I think that's a hard one to change. It's vision, yeah. having the vision. And that's why we do what we do, is having those conversations. And that's why we bring people of different disciplines and different viewpoints so that mm-hmm. we can entertain those important perspectives and think about having those conversations. So yeah. I appreciate you coming on and pouring into us. So Jack, what have you read, watched, or listened to that our listeners should as well, and why? So there's a great book I've been sharing with clients. It's called Insight, and it's by a young uh, organizational psychologist named Tasha Urich, E-U-R-I-C-H. The title is Insight, Why We're Not as Self-Aware as We Think, and How Seeing Ourselves Clearly Helps Us Succeed at Work and in Life. Wow, that's important. Yeah, it's a really practical, easy to read, good story from her research and her work with clients. It gets to the heart at the two sides of self-awareness. One is the internal self-awareness, you know, how do I see myself? And then the other side is how do others see me? And how do those two things jive with each other? And it's pretty powerful for the work that we do because a lot of the work that we do is getting people to be introspective and to seek feedback from others. That's a foundational characteristic of a good leader. It is. Yeah, that's a great book. I really recommend it highly. Love it. I'm going to write it on my list. I appreciate that. Now, Jack, you have a lot of responsibilities. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? Not as much as I should. I would say that, you know, one thing I do is I exercise every night. I have two kids in college and one 16-year-old at home that's pretty self-sufficient. So now my wife works until 8.30 every night. So I go to the gym at 7, 7.30, and that does clear my mind. I um, did practice some mindfulness stuff over the summer, and it was good, but I struggled to concentrate. And um, I'd like to get back to that again. But I have a to-do list. I'm very focused on my calendar and my schedule and the three blocks of my life that I have to take care of, my personal life, building my business life, and my executing on the work that I do life. Pretty important. So thank you for sharing that. Jack, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Have what Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. I think very early on, I had a very fixed mindset. And through life experiences, I've gained more of a growth mindset, which simply means I like to learn. I don't think I'm right all the time. And I don't think there's only one way of doing things. Sometimes I do, but I generally think I've evolved. And my partner, Gil, has been instrumental in helping me with that. So selecting a partner, Jack, is really important. Mm -hmm. What's some advice that you can give us about selecting the right partner? Trust implicitly, never a question of what their intentions are. So and it has to be someone that you trust implicitly. In my opinion, in my opinion, you know, I had another partnership that didn't work so well, you know, and I had one before that that worked very well. So the differentiator was lack of trust. In my humble opinion, it's do you have someone that has character? Are they competent? 
and are they dependable? If you have someone on the other side of a relationship that has those things, you have a good start. Great. Now, Jack, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, you asked a question about is there something you change in education? And I just wanted to go back to the fact that both in my own academic life and the academic lives of my children, you know, you can point to a bunch of folks that have been instrumental in helping me and helping my children be the people they are today. And, you know, several of them are educators. My son is a computer science guy. He's a senior at Notre Dame. He's already got a job at a hedge fund next year. He's on the course to be a very successful citizen. And he can point to junior year at Gonzaga High School in D.C. He had a great computer science teacher, his first computer science class. And he sparked an interest that has changed my son's life. So educators don't get enough attention for that. He changed my son's world. So it's sort of an amazing thing. So thank you for all the work you guys do. Great. And Jack, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Ditto. I learned a lot from you too. I got a new phrase to use. All right, Jack. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Lily. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.